Welcome to the IonaHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. What's up, Gale Nation? It's season two, episode 15 of the IonaHoops.com podcast. And we've got a whole lot of things to cover this episode. It appears COVID is beginning to loosen its grasp on college basketball world, a little bit anyway but not before the Honor Gales found themselves in another non-conference game, as well as a rescheduled MAC contest. More on those games in a bit. Uh, and we're also gonna be welcoming Mike Myler from the Niagara Gazette to uh, catch up with us about some MAC hoop stuff and talk about the Niagara Purple Eagles who are coming into New Rochelle, allegedly, <laughs> COVID allowing uh, this weekend. And basically we'll talk also about just the state of things in the MAC right now. But here's the state of things with the Gales via the Iona Iotas. As the computers matter a lot when determining seating and at-larges, they're of course also used for analytics. We've talked about Ken Palm offensive and defensive efficiencies out here on this podcast in the past, and more specifically about how our biggest positive and negative aspects of Iona's game impact those numbers. More specifically, Ken Palm clearly shows things that we know already. On offense, Iona's efficiency is driven by our ability to get to the line, and it's hindered by our inability to make threes. We know this stuff. On defense, it shows that we deny the three, and we block shots as well as anyone, but also that we foul way too much and give up too many offensive rebounds. We knew that stuff, too. Ironically, all of that showed itself in the St. Louis game, I think. Uh, anyway, another analytical tool similar to Kempom, but not as well known as Haslam Metrics. One cool thing Haslam Metrics does is rate team performance in individual games based on what their current rating is. So as you'd expect, blowout wins and upset wins over strong teams, for instance in Alabama, might rate higher than tight wins at home against lower rated teams. Those efficiency numbers reflect the amounts above or below your average you rated for that game. So of note, you can and here you can see that even losses can reflect positively as was the case with St. Louis. Anyway, analytics are fun to check out and play with, and I, I know that colleges themselves are doing it more and more uh, to find out their own, to, to determine how to navigate their weaknesses and strengths. Um, Ken Palm does require a subscription, but Haslam Metrics is free at haslammetrics.com. And Eric Haslam is also a fun follow on Twitter. Um, anyway, feel free to check all those out and a- analyze this. Whether for NCAA seed line or at-large chances, like it or not, the computers rule the world. Iona entered Tuesday's Fairfield game with a net ranking of 54, a minor hit taken with the St. Louis loss. And Iona's Ken Palm after today's game at Fairfield sits at 92, a slight bump up due to the wind being on the road. Now, lately there's been a lot of debate about Iona's at-large chances. Right now the profile's still very good and in play for an at-large. Make no mistake. The resume is good. The computer number is pretty good. Of course, we still have 16, 16 Mac games to play in the regular season. And I think you can look at it this way. For every stumble in the league to a team not named Monmouth, we'll likely drop a seed line. Hey, it's fun to debate Iona's at-large chances. I enjoy it as much as anyone. But people who are posting on the Iona board or tweeting at me that Iona's at-large hopes are dead are just flat out wrong. Because right now the profile is pretty darn strong and there's enough data to suggest that the profile that they have is good enough for a bid. Also, when you look at a bracket such as Joe Lenardi's, which is here, if, if you are a 12 seed in somebody's bracket, you have a profile for an at-large. Simple as that. So 
let's not just obsess too much about the March stuff just yet. Let's just focus on the Mac. We need to win as many games in the league to keep that profile where it is, or you all will, who are telling me that we have no shot will turn out to be right. So let's just press on and see what happens. Iona, Despite all the struggles thus far, Iona is still 4-0 in the MAC, comfortably in first place. Monmouth is the only other unbeaten team in the league, but they've played just two games thanks to COVID. But if you're looking for evidence that there are no doormats in this league, how about the fact that everyone's got at least one league win already? And I said in the other Iota, as I said in the other Iota, everyone's capable of being a threat to Iona, particularly on the road. We're very early in the MAC race, and the biggest questions right now are, how long can Iona stay unbeaten in league play? And can Monmouth keep pace? Hopefully COVID is done tearing through the max slate and we'll start to work our way toward answers to these questions. Although we don't have any new offers to report, we do have some interesting news to include in our offer roundup. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Six six class of twenty-two guard Angel Montas recently visited Iona officially. We usually don't get reports on this, so it's kind of exciting to actually hear about it. Iona first offered Montas last January, and he's since picked up offers from such schools as Tennessee, SMU, Illinois, Dayton, and Fordham. Montas, he's known as a slasher and a defensive energy type guy, um, also recently visited Fordham, uh, for the record. Originally from the Dominican Republic, uh, he is now at Life Christian Academy in Florida. Patino got to see Montas in person over the summer at an AAU event. So let's see what happens with Angel Montas in the coming weeks. There was great excitement when it was announced that Iona would be playing St. Louis on the road this past weekend. The game came together rather quickly, and this was an instant opportunity for Iona to bolster its national standing facing a generally equal team, per the computers, from a higher conference. My only concern going into this game was that this was a road game, and Iona had played only one true game all season, heading in St. Louis, and that was a struggle at Marist. And perhaps my concern was justified. Um, this one turned into a defensive slugfest, a nail-biter, and what we call on the Iona message board a nut-cutter. Iona's been in many close games this season, and they've come out on top in almost all of them. But playing on the road is a different animal, and the Gales had plenty of opportunities, but just could not put away the Billikens and fell in the closing seconds, 68-67. During the final five minutes, it seemed like Iona was just about ready to close this one out on several occasions, but they just could not deliver the knockout blow. And even very late, when Iona had fallen behind and then yet made another push, fueled by the defense, to surge ahead by one and put Tyson Jolly on the line for two shots with just 23 seconds to go to perhaps seal the win, everything went wrong after that point. Lots of Iona fans were extremely disappointed with the defeat. Hashtag ledge life for Jaden Daly. But you have to look at the big picture in these situations and consider the following factors. Iona just couldn't buy a three-all game going four for 22. The Gales gave away two points when Jolly got a technical earlier in the game. St. Louis was absolutely ridiculous from the foul line going 25 of 26. And we also just couldn't keep them off the offensive glass as they had 21 offensive boards. And Nelly had a real rough game really uh, with just 10 points and six boards and, uh, and actually only shooting just three of 10 from the field in the game. But despite all that going wrong, we lost by just one on the road against a team that's currently ranked in the top 75. The key there, on the road. 
I only needed to go into the house of a real good team and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, in my mind, and in nothing else this game gave them that opportunity. What's more, add this to what's starting to look like another great non-conference slate for the 2022-23 season, as St. Louis is going to return the game to New York to play Iona somewhere. And keep in mind, Iona already has Seton Hall at Madison Square Garden on the slate, as well as a couple of return games from this year's uh, schedule. So take this game for what it is, Iona fans. A great learning experience, and let's move on and focus on Mac play from here on. A different type of game, but the same results. The Fairfield Stags rode the hot hand of Jake Wojcik and, quite frankly, lit up the gales for a good portion of this game today. But down the stretch, Iona's defense took over for an 80-76 come-from-behind victory. The Stags just bombarded the Gales with threes. Wojcik made eight of them, and the team was 13 of 26, going right at the strength of Iona's defense. The Gales did what they could to keep pace with the hot Stags, but this was another game where the threes weren't falling. And in this particular game, the free throws weren't really falling either. Um, but with 7.29 left, and things looking pretty grim, as the Stags led 70-59, to 59, here we go again. Iona's defense put the clamps on the rest of the way, and Iona outscored, the Fair, uh, outscored Fairfield 21-6 to uh, down the stretch to close out another dramatic league win. Nelly was a beast in this one. He had 20-14, and 14, five gales total and double figures. But for those who just think that the Mac's going to be a cakewalk because Iona's really that good and they played so well against a strong non-conference schedule, which was filled with teams that, quite frankly, are beyond Mac level, you know, we've seen four league games and three were absolute dogfights. It's going to be an interesting couple of months in this league as everyone's capable of rising up to challenge us, even a Fairfield team that looked pretty bad the past couple of weeks, and yet here we were. But thankfully, we had the same result. Well, as uh, you, my loyal listeners know, I've been very hesitant to bring on guests now since uh, COVID has once again rendered a couple of my past interviews worthless uh, since the games got wiped out. Uh, Mike Myler from the Niagara Gazette was one of those victims last year. You guys might recall uh, we had him on for a nice preview of Iona Niagara and then the games got canceled. So here we are again and we'll try again, but we're going to talk a little more about the Mac as a whole and we'll talk about Iona a little bit more since you guys don't want to hear about Niagara anyway. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but uh, Mike, welcome back. Uh, and we're, uh, let's give this another go, shall we? Absolutely. I appreciate you. Uh, you're reaching out again. Obviously, times times get exciting when we hit January here and and hopefully have a kind of normal max schedule. And fingers crossed that we'll actually have an Iona Niagara game this weekend since we're now talking. Um, but um, we're still waiting to see Rick Patino in the Gallagher Center. That's exactly right. <laughs> Um, so I guess let's go through the season so far for the Purple Eagles, uh, for the Iona fans. Give them a, give them a taste of, uh, how the non-conference schedule went and thus far what you've seen of, of Niagara and the, and the Mac, including their recent two games set with Quinnipiac, which they split. Yeah. The non-conference schedule started out, uh, optimistically. They, they lost to Xavier by three. They lost to Ohio State. I think, I think it ended up seven or eight, you know, hung in both those games pretty much wire to wire. Um, 
and they went and played a three-team MTE at Youngstown State against some teams. You, you probably would have liked to see them go 3-0, and but they went 2-1. and I mean, you know, sometimes the, the team that beat them, St. Thomas, you know, plays five out and caught fire from three. What are you going to do? Um, and uh, beat Colgate. It's a nice little win. Um, kind, of, kind of got into Mac play and, and dropped their first three. So, uh, you know, uh, things maybe aren't trending as, as people would have liked, but um, definitely an optimistic start at least. Yeah, and it's crazy because, like you said, I, I remember seeing a couple of those non-conference games for Niagara, and I'm like, yeah, another team that, you know, people didn't think much of before the season. What were they? Uh, pretty low in the coaches polled beginning of the year as well. Yeah, and they look pretty, yeah, yeah, and they look pretty good non-conference. And then all of a sudden, they start off. But, oh, was it 0-3 in the MAC? Yeah, they lost to Monmouth, Fairfield, and then Knipiak, yeah. uh, the first two at home. So it was a rough, you know, not the ideal weekend. Yeah, you caught Fairfield at a bad time because I think the Stags have been in a spin since that game, I think. Um, but let's keep it recent here. I guess you, you got back-to-back -back games with Quinnipiac. It uh, looks like it was a kind of close game at Quinny. I did see some of that. Qu uh, quick, big lead early, Niagara battled back. Uh, and then this, and then this more recent game that was yesterday, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the Angras kind of gave Quinny some life late, but uh, it seemed like about a ten-point game all the way through, and it turned out to be about a ten-point margin. Yeah, it felt um, it felt a little more Niagara. I mean, Niagara had twenty-three first half points yesterday, um, was down twenty-seven twenty-three at half, and then scored fifty-three in the second half with Marcus Hammond only playing five minutes of that second half because he had an eye injury and, and was on the bench. So um, I couldn't explain it, you know, why, you know, the diff how you go for double in one half compared to the other, but they caught fire. And, you know, looking at the two Knipiak games, I mean, they were the, the marginal stats, rebounding, turnovers, points off turnovers, those kind of things um, were all pretty much the same. Uh, in both games. The difference was that in game one at Quinnipiac, the Bobcats shot well. Game two at Niagara for a half at least, Niagara shot well. So um, I get sick of chalking it up to that. That's kind of the story in Niagara's year right now. If they shoot well, they can hang with a lot of teams. If they don't, you know, they play defense, but but the offensive side can get ugly at times. Hmm. And uh, how's Marcus Hammond doing? Uh, Greg Paulus didn't have an update yesterday. He, he got hit in the eye playing defense and went down for a little bit during a media timeout. Um, and he, he was spent the rest of the game, you know, on the sidelines with the trainer. Um, but he was up watching, cheering the guys on. I, I mean, I can't imagine barring something wild because eye injuries, there's so much going on, you never know, but I can't imagine, you know, it's anything that's going to keep him out long term. May have, may have to go with like goggles or something for a game, too. You never know. It depends on yeah, the injury was. No I mean, they, they don't play again until Thursday. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not an eye expert, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's not an ankle. You're or not? Come on. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, so, um, I know the fans, of course, have had a pretty fun time this year up until very, very recently, uh, where the stress of losing a one-point game at St. Louis uh, has some of the fans a little rattled, from what I can tell. But uh, your impressions of what Iona did at non-conference and thus far, and, you know, interesting league set, uh, two, two tight games against Marist after looking so strong against some big-name schools non-conference. 
<laughs> I think uh, I'm sure John Dunn spent plenty of time eyeing, eyeing those Iona games and, and coming up with just about whatever he could throw at throw at the Gills. Um, obviously, it's impressive to watch Iona, you know, beat beat uh, Alabama, uh, you know, Harvard, Hofstra, Liberty, um, you know, losses to Kansas, Belmont, St. Louis. Like that's that's they're all what top fifty-five teams, top sixty to seventy-five teams in the country that they lost to. I mean, that's. They, that's uh, as good a MAC team as I can remember. Uh, you know, we've had some teams that looked very talented. I'm thinking, you know, the Ryder teams five, six years ago. But in terms of, you know, going out and beating an Alabama, like that just doesn't happen in this conference. So, uh, you know, we all thought that might be coming when Rick Pitino landed there. Um, and I think, you know, if your program is in a, the world's falling apart because of a one point loss to an A-10 team. Uh, you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Uh, I, have you, how many games have you seen I'm going to play? How much have you got to see them? Uh, I saw a couple. I think I saw the Alabama game, um, but I haven't seen so much as, as Redmore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, all right. Well, well, let's talk about the Alabama game. When you're watching that game, as somebody who covers the MAC, what, what, do you, what did you think? What was going through your mind? I mean, the, the thing is, you, uh, you see the guys that Iona has, and it's it's them keeping up athletically with a top ten SEC school. I mean, it's it's not football where guys, you know, there's there's quick guards in the MAC every year who can put up some points on some teams. But to see them bet, I mean, Anella Junior Joseph was able to hang and hold his own, if not more, in the post against SEC guys. Like that's just not something that this conference has had, and it, it's it's still getting uh, taking a little bit of adjustment to get used to. And the fact that he's a sophomore is, is terrifying. <laughs> and, then what, and then when you see results, like you, again, the first two Iona Marist games, Marist actually had pretty good, good control of the games for 35 minutes each game. And then Iona took over down the stretch of each game. But what, what is, I mean, is that life in the Mac in your mind? Uh, it doesn't matter where the games are played or well, what do you, what do you, how would, I mean, I, I know you said, well, Dunn probably had that circled and had a game plan ready to go. Do you think you'll see a lot of that in the Mac this year? I mean, I'm sure Iona has a target on their backs. I don't think any of that would be a surprise to anyone that, that every team has that, has that game circled a little bit extra. Um, especially if, if like Maris played them uh, almost conservative or, or close enough to consecutively um but it uh you know John Dunn teams are always good defensively and that you know <laughs> they're, they're rarely blowouts so you know it's going to be a, be a struggle um if I'm an Iona fan I probably look at it and say you know we'd like to get the blowout for your resume or whatever you want to put it but you know a nice little wake-up call that that this conference isn't going to be a cakewalk either and I don't think so and I uh, either and um you know the the Max Ken Palm has kind of hovered around 20 as the non-conference schedule is wrapping up, it's kind of what I was hoping they would be at, maybe even a touch higher. Um, but the, you know, this is a pretty darn good league uh, when it comes to when you when you consider the budgets and the size of the facilities most of the schools have. There's some pretty darn good teams in this league that can uh, have high moments, and we've seen the. If you want to say Canisius has been quote unquote the weakest team in the MAC, and yet they beat Buffalo, you know, uh, uh, you know, and. I, you, those are the kinds of levels of games that some everybody in this league is capable of playing. You know, Manhattan blowing out Liberty, I think, was an eye opener for me. Um, and and it feels like a lot of teams have games like that. Uh, so talk about this league and the depth that we have. 
I think we all saw it, um, you know, doing a couple different podcasts with people over the summer or, or just talking to people on Twitter or, or wherever else. Like, I, I think you looked at it and, and from a Niagara perspective, we looked at it and go, oh, Niagara can be a top four, top five team. They got everyone coming back. They got four graduate senior forwards. They got three senior guard, two senior guards, or they, they uh, Raheem Solomon, Solomon would have been their third, but he left before the season started. Um, you know, there was no reason. And then you, but then you look at everybody else, teams that maybe you don't pay as much attention to, and everybody's in that same boat. I mean, some teams are doing it more with transfers, um, you know, and it might, maybe it takes them a little bit longer to get going. But on the other the flip side of that is a lot of those transfers are coming down from Seton Hall, Louisville, you know, North Carolina, like wherever. So they're talented guys that could play at a level above the VAC. So, um, I mean, I, you know, we looked at it and we talked all of my conversations this summer were, you know, I could be pretty good and I could be really good. And then kind of when you took a peek out at the Mac on a larger scale, it's like, man, everybody's good. But there just isn't, you know, there isn't a team. There's like maybe two teams that you're like, yeah, they probably really don't have a chance at, at making any noise. Everybody else, you're kind of like, yeah, they can beat anybody on any day. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's, going to be it's not the teams are inconsistent i think some teams are figuring stuff out and then you get a scout on them you know i i think somebody like fairfield i kind of expected to be pretty good this year they were for a while and now they've kind of hit the skids i think scouting reports have caught up to them a bit but then they'll adjust and they're going to go on a run and start beating teams i think later on in the year i mean iona plays this interview is taking place on monday iona plays at fairfield tomorrow fairfield looks like a good time to play fairfield coming off an iona loss fairfield's been playing badly but then, you know, maybe Fairfield's due to have a good game and Iona might still be like a little bit hungover from the loss. You don't know. And, and that's the beauty of this league. And it's going to make it a whole lot of fun. Um, at the end of the day, I think there's going to be a whole bunch of teams between, you know, between eight, between eight and 12 wins. And then you have Iona. And what do you think of Monmouth from what you've seen in the Monmouth Open the season at Niagara, if I remember? And it was a tight game that Monmouth won. Am I, am I right about that? Yeah, it was 58-53, something like that. I think. Niagara had him on the ropes. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think I remember looking at it as a game where Niagara, I think Niagara had a first half lead and it should have been more. It was one of those that maybe they were up seven, they they're up 10 maybe. And just the way that Monmouth was playing and the way that Niagara was playing defensively, you were like, yeah, that's, that number's got to be 15 because this team's too good. And that's exactly what happened was they came back and won. And I think, uh, you know, that was a big missed opportunity for Niagara. And then, um Fairfield came in two days later and, and caught fire offensively and kind of put a made that put a poo-poo on that whole weekend. But um yeah, Monmouth, they got they got everything across the board. I mean, they got Shavar Reynolds as a quick guard, they got Pappas who can score. Um, they've got the guys they get they got uh oh, I'm blanking on guys' names right now, but they've got multiple players they can put up across the front and they uh, you know, they score a lot, they they're rebound well they're, they're first in the league in defensive rebounds third in the league in re rebounding first in free throw percentage second in three-point percentage uh first in field goal percentage defense like all their numbers are impressive um they've got four wins against top 150 programs mm -hmm. i think um you know if i'm monmouth i'm we're very worried about iona because i think there's a very good monmouth theme that might even be able to put a scare into somebody in a tournament but they got to beat Iona to get there. Obviously it's early in the season to be saying that, but yeah. um, 
you know, that's going to be a very interesting race because, like I said, in my time covering the MAC, I don't think we've had two programs or two teams in one season of that quality. Yep, and I and again, there's the whole um, at large conversation, and to me, it's way too early to have that. The MAC is a really tough league. Iona loses three, four games. That conversation's dead in the water anyway. So yeah, we'll have to see. Fun. We'll have to see how that goes. Uh, so it's going to come down to those three games in, in Atlantic City. So let me ask you about that, since that's been a topic as well. What do you think about Atlantic City as a venue? Uh, and if you had your say in this and you got on the phone with Enser and he was going to say, where do you think we should have it? What were, where would you recommend? I have not actually been to Atlantic City um, because well, how many, what year is this now? Two well, or three? This is only the second year, but do you, I mean, just from what you know, yeah. Do you think it could be a, a viable venue or is, it, or is it too far outside the Mac footprint? Uh, just thoughts on what would a good place to be. I mean, you know, logic says, well, you got to hold it in Albany. It's going to be where the most fans are going to be, but is it too much of a home? What's your take on a neutral site versus home court, that kind of thing. I would like to see them. And I know it's tough from a corporate level, but I almost would like to see them go to true home court, at least. Um, you know, through the early rounds, I don't know exactly how they can make it work. But uh, if you're going to do Albany, which is, you know, has proven to be the best spot in terms of building a fan base. Um, but it's, it's, it's ridiculous to award it, <laughs> to award home, home court advantage to a team that doesn't earn it. So um, it's, you're, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You're not going to get huge attendance from, from half the league or more every year. Um, you know, Iona will travel, Seattle will travel, um, you know, Monmouth, you know, when they're good, will travel. Um, any other team that's, you know, top four in the league will probably have a handful of fans there. But coming from Western New York and, you know, there's going to be 100 people there from Niagara probably. Right. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's Albany or Atlantic City. So um, from a corporate, uh, have it in a neutral site and on the boardwalk, Atlantic City is great. Um, from an atmosphere perspective, um, I've been to the Niagara Games in Albany um, where, a, you know, 10 a.m. women's games or, or whatever, late night men's games where there's a few hundred people in the stands and, you know, <laughs> it's not the best atmosphere either. But then I've also seen the crowds for those Siena games and mm -hmm. it's it's totally different. So I, I don't think the Mac can get both. I think they got to decide if the Mac wants to try to get both just let the home let the high seed host and make the regular season maybe a little bit more interesting yeah i think they've always been hesitant to do that because then you're then you be, then you're really saying that you're a quote unquote low major conference uh, so i think that i think that's why they've always liked the prestige of being in an arena that's just my take on it who knows uh, when maybe rich enser is gone and somebody else is there they might push for something different who knows uh, so that'll be something to watch in the coming years i guess as as the transition from Rich Enser, I guess, moving on to whoever his successor is. Um, yeah, who knows? And who knows what, what impact COVID will have on that too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's ex Well, that's exactly right. And I'm one of the few who actually was in Atlantic City last year. Uh, uh, I know the very limited fans, obviously, and uh, but I was down there for that. So, uh, you know, I still like it as a destination. I think, well, I mean, for me, it's only a three-hour ride to get there. But, you know, I like the casinos. I like all that part oh, of it. No, so, I yeah, uh, yeah. I, I loved I loved even the Albany trips as, as somebody who 
doesn't get to travel too much for games. You know, that was always a fun weekend, a highlight of the year. So I was looking forward to Atlantic City Net last year and wasn't able to go. So I'm hoping to do that this year. Excellent. Um, well, let's wrap up on a, a two-part question for you. We'll get us back to uh, Niagara and Iona here. Why, why can Niagara beat Iona and why can't Niagara beat Iona in your mind? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, I hate chalking up to this. I'm a numbers guy. I want to be able to say that turnover rate and rebounding margin and whatever else, you know, get analytic on corner threes or something on you. But, uh, you know, I, I've had trouble writing Niagara stories this year that haven't been. They shot well and they won. They didn't shoot well and they lost. They're consistent. They play, I mean, it's, it's a senior-laden team. They play good defense. Uh, they make. They don't chase offensive rebounds. They, they try to limit turnovers. They try to limit transition. They say, you beat us in the half court. We think we can beat you in a half court game. And if they're shooting well, sometimes it works. If they're not, as they have been for most of this year, um, it can get sloppy. It, you know, the, the Monmouth game was close most of the way, but it was also 58-53. It wasn't exactly a... Uh, you know, a, a basketball clinic. So, you know, if they can muck it up and they can limit, you know, especially if they can limit the boards, I think that would be Iona's biggest advantage. You know, if, if you chalk up some shooting randomness that it, that lands kind of evenly, I think Iona's biggest strength would be on the boards because Niagara is better this season. They were terrible the last two years on, on the glass, but they're better this season, but they're still, you know, below average for the Mac and, Iona is, I think, best in the conference in, in rebounding or uh, offensive rebounding. So I think that's somewhere where, um, where it would be key to the game. Okay. Um, and what scares you the most about, as somebody who knows Niagara, what, what part of what Iona does makes you say, oh, this is going to be a rough one? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to you know, lean into that a little bit more. They're first in the league in blocks, first in the league in assists. I think if they can – spread Niagara out and share the ball and get into the lane and, and keep, you know, get extra possessions on the glass and um, keep it from being a one-on-one half-court game and move the ball enough to, to create some leaks in the Niagara defense. Um, I just don't think Niagara has the, the horsepower to keep up with them, uh, barring, you know, something special defensively. So, um, you know, Iona seems to have not really stagnated offensively. I know that the Hart or the St. Louis game – it wasn't a big offensive performance, but I think um, if they can move the ball against the Niagara defense and, and create second chances at the rim, uh, that that would be a very possible way for them to, to win. Mm. Okay. Well, um, I hope I get to see you in Atlantic City this year since we were talking about that. It'd be great to see you in person and watch some basketball. And, uh, you know, tournament settings are always more fun than anything else. So I hope we're together in AC in a couple of months. All right, I appreciate you, you letting me hop on again, and, and uh, we'll be looking forward to that, hopefully. Thanks again for joining. All right, guy, you take it easy. You too. Thanks again to Mike Myler from the Niagara Gazette for stopping by to talk Mac Hoops with us. Uh, now let's just hope that the interview isn't obsolete in a few days thanks to COVID again. We'll see. Stay safe, everyone. Stay healthy, mask up, and go Gales. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com and its publisher Guy Filatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com, and any featured guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona College Athletics or the college itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.